Yes, good morning. Izzy Kempi for breakfast on SENZ. Wednesday, halfway through the week. So, you know what that means for me, Kempi. I'm going to go and have a hack at golf after this. It's been a while. It's been a while since I've joined up with the lads, but uh, looking forward to it. Morena to you. Morena to you, Louis. You got Joe. You got Aroha. The team. It's flying. Morning, team. How you doing, Kempi? Yeah, good, mate. Good. Jeez, uh, looks nice down there. The uh, sun's out. You've got little cloud out there in the background. And, mate, obviously the knees are feeling good this morning after all that chat this week about replacement. You're going to get around 18 holes. Mate, when you're buying the cart, like when you're... When, no, like when I'm you, going cart. Oh, yeah. You show cart, up, show cart up the trailer in a cart. Cart golf? No, no, I'll just hire the carts here and uh, jump around it. Uh, walk, yeah, jump on the carts. And these carts are so good, man. they got radio and you can hook up your Bluetooth, play some tunes. No so doubt. it'll be a nice fun day. I've got my cousin actually here. My cousin's from Perth. He's um he's come over. I've got my mum's unveiling next weekend in Hawke's Bay. So all mum's sisters and brothers have made the, the way over. But my cousin's staying down here. He's never been to Christchurch, so... We're just um, really? going to relax and, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it's been awesome to have, have them over, him and his wife Kate and, and uh, Josie Rain is here, his little daughter. So we're just playing and, and uh, yesterday we went out to the Antarctica Centre. Has anyone been there? You been there, Louis? You would have been there. 100%. That was yeah, on the bucket list of school trips, mate, from Leithfield School into the Christchurch Museum and then the Antarctic Centre. Had to do some uh, raffle sales and stuff to pay for the entry fee and on the snowmobile, see the seals, the penguins. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's so good. It is so good, Kempi. If you come down, I'll take you to the Antarctica Centre. It's, um, yeah, you just, there was actually um, a guy there that owns Huskies. Mm. owns huskies and so we went on down and you're walking through and you're just going through and kids love it you go outside and uh, there's this little indoor snow and it's about minus eight degrees and it's freezing and then the storm counts down so it goes down from about every 30 minutes there's a big storm you go stand in there and you i think it's up to about 65 kilometer winds and it drops it's like a wind chill of about minus 25 well i took um Tilly was no, she had no chance. She was like, hell no, I'm not going in there. But Arlo went in there with shorts, and him and Dad are in shorts. And these people from Perth are like, 40 degrees? Wow, they're used to 40 degrees, not going in there with, and you're in shorts? So we went in there, and Arlo was looking, I looked over him, mate, he was going bloody blue and purple, so I had to get him out of there. <laughs> but oh, um, he's having some that fun was cool. With you. He's having some fun with you in yeah. this break, isn't he? Yeah, good memories. Creating memories. That was another one um, on my wish list as well, lads, the other day. I just want to create memories for these kids. So this weekend, I'm going to go flip them off that biscuit in Lake Brunner, I reckon. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> just think any more stones stuck in that engine, mate. Nah. Okay. nah was that, was that, because, was that because it's a, it's a left-hand drive, that thing, isn't it? Nah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah left-hand drive. Left-hand so drive, was, it, yeah. was it being weighted down on the right because you had – Oh, Mr. Ryan on the right-hand side, was it? Did he just get stuck in the going around those corners? <laughs> nah, so I was going up the Wymac and my neighbour was in front of me. Anyway, he went around this corner and there was a few bit of trees there. I couldn't see him. But anyway, his wife runs out and it's like, stop, 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 he got stuck. So lucky I didn't go zooming around that corner, I would have hit him. Um, but so he got stuck. So I had to stop. And when you stop, you kind of want a little bit of deep water. Mm. Oh, this water was a bit shallow. So when I stopped, 
I sucked up a stone. You just turn it off and it drops the stones out or sucks them through. Started back up. Started, sucked up another stone. Oh, bugger. Not in deeper water. Turned it off. Started up again. It went chunk, chunk. So just got stuck right up in the top of the impellers and uh, ruined it. And then I, was, I ripped the teeth off my starter motor and everything. It was a bit of a nightmare, but lucky my neighbour's handy and, <laughs> and got it done. But it wasn't Jace Ryan. It was um, Daisy. So I'm going to tell her that. You said that she was oh. laying down the boat. <laughs> yeah. Cut it out, mate. It's, hey. uh, it'll, be, it'll definitely be on the driver's side then. <laughs> Daisy ain't that heavy, mate. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Oh, that's, I could believe that's good, mate. Heading, heading up to the the late, your cousin's there. Um, oh, yeah. and you've got your your mum's own valley. must be uh, looking forward to that. It, uh, it got put off yeah. last year, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Just because with COVID and things like that, we're going to go give mum mum a beautiful headstone. And, uh, nice. Yeah, it's been good. All the family's been saving up and... We've got a beautiful um, headstone that we're all going to get together next weekend. I can't wait to see all the whanau, family and friends. But uh, today, Kempi, we've got a big show. Big show. Uh, after seven, this is a great get. Well done, Louis. Great, great get. Kiwi snow sports superstar Zoe Sadowski Sinnott after winning the Lax Open Slope Style for the first time in Switzerland. Zoe will join us just after 7 o'clock, so I'm looking forward to that one. She's an absolute genuine superstar, and she's hit the snow running. So good. And uh, following that, we were fresh off a ton for the Black Caps, but it wasn't enough as they went down 3-0 in the series over India. Devin Conway... Joined us earlier, he had a well, a great day out for himself, but we spoke to him and just kind of, it just wasn't enough for, for him, he wanted to do more and he's obviously shot, he got 138, trying to build partnerships, but he let it all out on our interview, so we'll play that for you around 7.40, looking forward to that. And then after 8, Highlanders have made some big, big, big names in the off-seam, signed some big names. Sign in England international, Freddie Burns. Richard Whiffen is the new attack coach out of the UK and he will join us after eight to talk about the new signings and uh, his transition down under coaching Super Rugby. He's also coached Wales uh, women's rugby team at the World Cup, so he's been here for a while. He knows what New Zealand all about. Double eight, double three uh, on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Give us a text anytime or if you're even brave enough, give us a call. 0800-150-811. Kempi, I know we're going to talk about it throughout the day, but 3-0, the Black Caps mm. going down against India. It's been uh, difficult. They've got a few uh, T20s coming up. But, mate, it's not uh, not positive signs for the Black Caps at the moment. Obviously, playing in India is a difficult task in itself. We all know that. Um, Kyle's Mills spoke, Kyle Mills spoke about it yesterday. The challenges that they face... But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not good lining. They've lost their first number one position in the ODI rankings. Yeah, and intimidating too. It must be being up there on those wickets um, when you've got the Indian crowds, the Indians wanting to, to support their players. You know, the eight sixes and the 12 fours from Devin Conway, you'd think that'd be enough, didn't you? But with their, it being set at 386, um, their batsmen are on fire. Um, yeah, Millsy and, and Dev this morning talking about especially I guess the, the young bowlers and the experience that they need so if they've you know if they've gained anything out of the being swept in the, the ODIs I guess it's the young the young bowlers getting a chance to come up 
in that uh, in that international series bowling against some really 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 good batsmen, um, which should hold them in good stead, you know. So, um, I I thought about it when we were talking to Dev this morning. And I thought about you know what it would actually feel like playing up there in India, you know, and and talking not just talking about the pitch but the intimidation of it all. The the crowds, you know, you've got you've got that whole different. I guess the music and the the your your, your what about your diet? Like, you, I wonder what they do as far as the nutritionists and and their diet when they're up there when you're used to eating so certain types of food. I wonder if that's taken into an account. So you got so many different things to 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 look at and to to um, mm. contemplate, and then you got to go out there and and get on those wickets and try and play against one of the best teams in the world, you know, and. Um, I'll tell you one thing about Dev Conway though. Mate, he ain't he ain't he ain't uh, shooking his duties. Eight sixes, <laughs> twelve fours. Yeah. You know what I mean? You'd think that'd be enough. Yeah. If we yeah. could all bat like that. Yeah, it's just creating those partnerships, Kempy. Like Cole Mills spoke about it yesterday when we had him on. If you've missed that, go over to Izzy and Kempy for breakfast. Have a little listen. He was bloody outstanding, actually. Great to have Millsy on, and we spoke to him about. The partnerships that India are able to forge, and they forged them early. Rohit Sharma, 101. Shubman Gill, 112. Shubman Gill, he's had 360 runs in this, in this series. So when, you, when you're when going and running into the crease and you're bowling to these two uh, batsmen, and you, you're just wondering where do you put it. If you put it anywhere, these players are putting it out of the park. They've got a strike rate of 143 in that game, 118 for Rohit Sharma. They hit nine falls, six sixes each, mate. They were just phenomenal. But on the other side, you touched about it, touched on it, the young bowlers getting the experience. Jacob Duffy, he's played a handful of games. He's a young kid. He's got quality. He's got a Glenn McGrath kind of uh, shape in the way he kind of bowls it. He, he uses the seam, gets a bit of swing, but he got three for 100. So the economy rate wasn't great, 10 10 and over, but three wickets. You take a lot of positives out of that when you take three wickets. And then you got Blair Tickner down the other end, the young CD bowler with the Malayata boot. He's uh, three for 78. So that's what Millsy t- talked about. We need to really give these young bowlers experience and, and being able to play in these conditions more. So, yeah, the negative is they lost. Um, the positive is that these young bowlers got an opportunity to go out there mm. and uh, uh, bowl against the best batsmen in the world. I think the biggest conversation, I know many of you at home will be wanting to talk about this, is is, our, is, is the, the change they made. And it's been a change that's been in the media for a very long time. Finn Allen. So Finn Allen, um, look, I've got nothing wrong with Finn Allen. I don't want to put too much pressure on this young kid. But Finn Allen... Uh, he got a duck of two balls, and um, you know it's been pretty hard on the young kid. You know when you when you take it over from someone like Martin Guptill, Kempi, uh, an experienced player, there's always going to be a lot of doubts and a lot of haters and mockers out there. Um, but I feel like this young kid is taking a lot of pressure on his own shoulders. I know, Louis, you've got uh, your own thoughts on it. That um, this young kid, Finella, we don't want to throw him under the bus and put. Too much pressure on them, but yeah, the things haven't mm. gone a plan at the moment, Kempi. So, how do we get the best out of Finn Allen? Do we continue this? A hundred percent. Yeah, I think so. Mm. I think um, you know the big, the biggest takeaway from last year I got was when Baz talked to us about how he how he really liked the uh, the shift for Finn Allen um, Finn Allen into the team. I just think you know when you're talking about Guptill, they maybe could have transitioned it a bit better. 
like kept him on yeah. tour. You know, you think about it. You know, you've got when you talk about rooming your first room, room um, that you shared within the All Blacks with was Mules Miliaina. You know what I mean? And here you are, the next up up and comer, um, taken over from a great. And the same sort of, I, I guess, scenario could have been something that the the, the Black Caps could have learnt from. You know, by, by taking Guppy over there and and I guess nurturing him and mentoring. Um, Finn Allen through these these pretty tough periods because one of the things you you do know as a young athlete uh, you, you do cop it mentally when you're not going that well you know and going mm. out at the top order when you're meant to be putting runs on especially when you're chasing you know such a big score like 380 um, the pressure goes on you know the runs go up the pressure starts coming on when you when you're padding up doesn't it I guess in cricket to go out there and to walk away with nothing and put your to put your rest of your team under pressure so he'll be feeling it. Uh, how the Black Caps are handling that for this young man? Um, they got to be they got to be filling him full of confidence and, and saying the belief in having him at an opening um, has to be there. But maybe just a lesson learnt that you, you, your transition period should be a little bit better. I think is something they may they may I don't know whether they're, they're thinking about it or um, who knows what they're thinking about with with Finn Allen. You know, you, I guess at that level is he? You probably don't get too many shots of going out for next to nothing. Yeah, look, it's it makes for an interesting case, and I know um, Guppy will be sitting over at the BBL or wherever he is in the world, giving him a little fist pump, wouldn't he? Because that's the competitor he is. I think he took it pretty hard with what went on. But anyway, look, I think this year we've, we've got to really buy in, and and the World Cup is later on this year. The ODIs, uh, the the fifty over World Cup in India, so they're dead help favourites to to take that out, but. It's later on this year, so is there enough time to, to tinker with a few things and maybe give other players opportunities? You'd probably say yes, or would you love to see them just really show some commitment and, and faith in young Finn Allen and keep him at the top? He has shown signs that he can buff it for sure, but um, there's times there when uh, he's, his wicket's taken cheaply. So let us know, double eight, double three, on the temper bedpost text, me, text machine. And Devin Conway, he's coming up. At 7.40, we spoke to him earlier on this morning and he was pretty honest with a summation of uh, that performance out there. But right now, it's 18 past six and it's time for our question of the day, Louis. Can't wait question of the day. Yeah, that's right. As you guys have uh, spoken about it already, really, you've nailed it, to be honest. I, I, You've given me the lead. And essentially what I'm wondering is on 0800 so many cricket fans around New Zealand, the Kennard Thai phone line mm. at double eight double three, that Temper Bed Post text machine. So many of you spend so many hours watching this team, thinking about this team, thinking about the best way that the batting order could be constructed, thinking about the best version of our bowling attack, thinking about the best backroom staffing situation for our coaches. But I'm only going to ask you to do one thing. If you could make one change, either tactical, personnel-wise, or otherwise, to give the Black Caps a shot at the 50-over World Cup in India... What would it be? One change from this current state of play as of this morning, 25th of January. What would it be, Izzy? It's a great question. It's a great question. That will get everyone up and about going, and no doubt we're going to get some calls. So 811 What would you change, Kimpy? We'll come back and give our answer uh, shortly because I need a bit of time to... To mull over it, to be completely honest. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to the Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrance.
Yes, I can't wait. Question of the day. If you could make one change, either tactical, personal, or otherwise, to give the Black Caps a shot at the 50-over World Cup in India this year, what would it be? And there's been some lulls coming through on the Temper Bedpost text machine. We'll get to those shortly, but Kempi, for you, first thing that springs to mind, what would it be? I think the first thing that springs to everyone's mind, I probably know what you're going to talk about. You're going to go to the bowling, say, mate, I'm going to go to the coaching. I'd bring back Baz. I'd throw the kitchen sink at Baz and and, uh, bring him back to New Zealand, mate, and put him in charge of... Of those uh, those boys, and I reckon we'd see a spike in uh, the attitude, especially. And uh, Baz also knows, I think, for me, who needs to be out there, and probably probably bring back some old boys as well. Um, at this stage, with, whether it's a reality or not, and whether we can afford them um, <laughs> is another story. As he say, and for me, you can't afford them, mate. This really, when you when you said, what would you do? What like wish list, you know. Um, I guess big fairy wish lists uh, bring back bears for me. Chuck a little bit of Daniel Vittori in there, maybe even a Flem for a mentor role. And wow, we that would be what a hell of a coaching setup. Uh, a great team. Look, in all honesty, I think a bit of pressure on Gary Stead this year. If he doesn't mm. go on and and get a little bit of success, so Steady Eddie might be out and uh, a little bit of pressure. Uh, going on the Black Caps at the moment. But if, uh, one change for me, I think they've just got to do what some of these touched on earlier in the week when he wrote a sermon. They've got to do everything possible to get Trent Bolt back into that team, back into the fold. He is just a master. That partnership with Salvi Bolt, you just that's just world class. And we need to do everything possible to get them back together. So I'll be throwing the kitchen sink at Baz and Bolty. To get them in there, but there's been a few texts coming through. Uh, agreeing with you, Kempi. Brett said one change, coach, Bears coach. It is from Brett. Uncle Brett. So he back. wants Bears to coach, and then Richie's got a way of getting uh, Bears back. He's on <laughs> cricket, buy a lot of ticket, and won twenty million in the Powerball, and then buy Bears out of his England cricket contract. Although I'm not sure. Twenty million would be enough for a one-year contract. Well, Richie, I think you're pretty on the money there, mate. And uh, whoever that lucky winner is on the weekend, can um, can you just give me a loan, please? Be much appreciated. And then this one is Bolty playing in this World Cup, as it seems he's been a massive loss. Right now, no. Right now, no. So it is a huge loss. It is a huge, huge loss for the Black Caps. He is. They're probably their most successful ODI bowler. He can swing it an absolute mile. And uh, you talked about, well, listen to Devin Conway. He spoke about the way that the Indians were able to swing the ball. Um, I think the conditions over there suit Bolt. He's played in the IPL. He knows what it takes. He's an absolute competitor. And uh, they need to do everything. Whether he wants to is another story. You know, he's enjoying his family time and, and making a quick buck here and there. So that's the other thing. It's, it's good enough for us to say, get Bolty in there, but if your heart's not in it, your heart's not in it. So mm. you don't want anyone there to go off the half, you know, half ask and, and, and go over there and not do, do the job when you've got young players like Tough, uh, Duffy and, and Tickner putting in the grind. So let's wait and see. Keep those messages coming through. Our can't wait question of the day. If you can make one change, either tactical, personal, or otherwise, to give the Black Caps a shot at the 50 over World Cup in India this year. What would it be? There you go.
Uh, coming up, uh, Kempe, we're going to talk uh, some Sir Zoe Sadowski Senate. And this is a great get from Louis. She's obviously coming off a big win over in Switzerland. She just continues on to be our golden girl. She is the ambassador for the FIFA World Cup. And we're going to talk to her after 7 o'clock. And uh, we love championing our champions here in NZ. So looking forward to that one, mate. Yeah, I'm, and look, she's up for the Halbergs too, isn't she? So um, getting a, I, I guess getting, a, getting a, um, her eye on, on that uh, that award boost by winning the, the World Cup in the LA um Double X Open Slope Style World Cup, so um, mate, they're they're impressive. I've got to say that the mm. the snow the snow people in this country uh, for a small country, what they're doing on the world stage. I watched a lot of their ho- her highlights yesterday, and she is something special, mate. So uh, don't be surprised if we see a few more accolades coming her way this year. Uh, good to talk to those guys. They keep it real too. You know what I mean? They're a little bit like the cricketers. I want to give a big shout out to the Black Caps. Actually, uh, first thing this morning, is he? I like. Like we've always found with them, if any other sport in New Zealand, national sport, looking for a media manager, go and get some tips off their media managers. You know, <laughs> they have they have walked off the pitch after being slammed, chasing nearly 400 runs and throwing Devin Conway away and talk to us like a champ. You know what I mean? Win or lose, mm. since I've been um, talking on, on SENZ, they have fronted up. And I just think, yep. mate, they need they needed to be applauded for the way that their media managers, especially, uh, and their players, have just taken their roles and responsibilities as, as far as talking to the public um, on. And you know, we can, we must champion those, those type of attitudes because we know how hard it is sometimes after a loss to get people uh, to come on and talk. But I can I can I can say, and and we all know this: the Black Caps aren't one of those teams. They just they take it in their stride, mate. It's refreshing. Absolutely. Mm. Totally agree, mate. Totally agree. And I've said it before, sometimes I can't, for the life of me, understand why we can't even get access to our All Blacks when all definitely we can't get access when they lose. And then Devin Conway, he's he's fresh off the pitch, mate, and he's come on and he's been honest, open, transparent, and, and we love it. We love it. So we appreciate it, NZ Cricket. Keep up the good work and hopefully you can get some success in these next couple of weeks in the T20s. But coming up, We've got headlines with Louie. Where's he going to go? Here's Idle Health the News for Kubota, building and shaping the future. ECNZ, you are listening to Izzy and Kempe's Breakfast, 27 minutes away from 7 o'clock at Bunnings Trade. Helping business is our trade here to make your job easier because of just that. Now, uh, some sport from overnight, not for the Black Cats, but as you heard, Aroha say the Silver Ferns have got a very gutsy win over England and South Africa. They're over there in Cape Town, 55-45. Grace Nowicki, 48, 44 of her 48 shots. Uh, Amelia Ekanasio, 7 of 9. Gutsy, gutsy effort. Leading 15-12 first quarter, 27-21 at the half. Then England fighting back 37-35 at three-quarter, but punching away their 55-45. They get a crack at the final, which is huge news for them. Now, last night, across the ditch in Melbourne, the Australian Open. I'll be honest, I did not see this coming. Every single quarter-final we saw play yesterday was straight sets. So, Karen Kashinov sent... Nelly's brother home, straight set, 7-6-6-3-3, zip, he must have retired. Uh, and in the women's, Jessica Pagula, who he enlisted as favourite 
another upset. Victoria Azarenka, the 24 seed, bundling her out 6-4, 6-1. And Rybikina won in straight sense over Ostapenko, 6-2, 6-4. But the one I want to focus on is Sitsi Pass because he went boom, 6 Three seven six six four to get past La Heca. So your hundred ninety five dollar odds are no good. But Sitsi Pass, he's got all the shots on the court. How about off it? I mean, Australia is such a great country. I like a lot of Aussie things, you know. Um, one of my favorite exercises comes from Australia, Margot Robbie. I wish I can. Margot Robbie, are you pitching right now? It would be nice to see her over there one day. Okay. <laughs> yeah, in your dreams. In your dreams, Stefano. Oh, what's he got? A $185 shot? It's <laughs> $385 <laughs> shot. He's like, I was having a look. I was like, oh, yeah. Would she? Would she? She's beautiful, isn't she? She doesn't need some grubby tennis player, mate. She's got it sorted. And she's also oh, married. Man. <laughs> Is she? Oh. Yeah. Poor fella. He doesn't know what's coming from. <laughs> Oh, Margot Robbie. She's an outstanding actress. And I've seen that Tsipas getting over uh, Laheka. And we know that yesterday, $176. Someone had a $10 on him. So unlucky, mate. Unlucky. And yes, uh, Sebastian Corder had to retire. Had to walk over three love in that last set there, Louis. So uh, appreciate it, mate. Appreciate it. The tennis makes for an interesting one now. You got uh, Ben Shelton taking on Paul today. So battle of the USA, and then you got Rublev Djokovic later on tonight. How good is that game going to be? Number five taking on number four, and the, everyone's looking at the Joker. Can he continue on his uh, success? Kempi, I'm just looking at you. I'm just thinking tennis. Kempi, mm. does it mix? 100%. 100%. One of the, I talked about tennis the other day. I just, the only bloke I really wanted to beat was my brother. Um, unfortunately for me, he could play with both hands. He never had a backhand. So mm. you'd, you'd sort of be going all right against them, and he, you'd whack it to his backhand, and he'd change hands with a racket and whack, hit it back with another forehand. And he just had me <laughs> running around the tennis courts, mate. And I was like, I just, you know, didn't mind playing tennis. Um, Went to quite a lot of tennis over in Australia when I was with Newcastle. Mm. Uh, got to know quite a few of the, the good tennis players in Newcastle. I love going to watch it. I, th- I just think that, you know, you don't get an appreciation of how hard they hit that ball. You know, when we were watching Cam Norrie, for instance, when we went to uh, the ASB Classic, you, you're talking, um, you know, getting that ball well well up over 190, 200 Ks, you know what I mean? So, um yeah, imagine facing those guys. You think you're whacking it okay yourself <laughs> and got some weight behind those balls, but they are absolutely belting them down there. And that's the control over the ball as well, um, Izzy. I just I just think, mm. you know, like you, you think it's quite easy hitting a tennis ball hand-eye co- coordination, but keeping it in and putting it where you want it is, is quite a challenge. <laughs> but no, I'm a, I, I love tennis. Absolutely love it. Mm. Yeah, it's a, uh, you get a lot of appreciation when you go and watch it and you see the kind of work that these players have to put in week in, week out. And they're so fit, man. And the way they can stop on a dime and move 
Left to right just makes my knees crumble. Ooh, appreciation for it. But anyway, coming up, we've got Quizzy Dag today giving you the chance to win a $50 TAB bet. The quiz isn't too bad, too bad. And Brenton, if you give us a call, you might have to go first or, or someone else. Give us a call, 0800 150 to take on me, the Quizmaster. A little bit of a uh, controversy yesterday, today. We're on the money. Give us a call. Let's rip straight into it. Quizzy Dag with the one and out. Told you. Brenton, you give us a call. You're opening up the bat, mate. So, Brenton, how you doing, hey, brother? <laughs> good, brother. Yourself? Yeah. Yeah, good, man. Very, very good. Great to be back on the airways, ripping into 2023, mate. Good luck. $50 TAB bonus bet hopefully coming your way, mate. Here we go. Where do the Silver Ferns currently sit on the World Netball Rankings? I'm going to go second. I don't actually know. Second is correct. (laughs) There you go, brother. Good luck. Here we go. Question number two. Sean Johnson and his whanau are expecting their second child. What year did Sean make his debut for the Warriors? Uh, can I phone a friend on that one? Jonah Lomu. Uh, I'm going to go 2011. Bang. 2011 is correct. Went to the grand final two against Manly. (laughs) Here you go. (laughs) Cryptic. Question number three. Stephen Adams, along with teammates, got into a scuffle with NFL Hall of Famer Shannon Sharp at a Lakers game this week. Name one of the two NFL teams Shannon has played for. Oh, I don't know this one. I'm going to go. This going to be like, yes, I'll go the Cowboys. Cowboys is incorrect. Sorry, Brent. Have a good day, mate. We're going to go to Jade in Hamilton. Morning, Jade. Morning, brother. How are you? Good, thank you. Shannon Sharp, NFL Hall of Famer. Name one of the two teams he played for. Did he play for Denver? Denver Broncos is correct. And the other one was the Baltimore Ravens. Question number four. Which team is currently top of the table in the EPL with four wins and a draw in their past five games? Can I get a clue on that one? Or oh, could be bottom. Could be bottom. Oh, it's a cryptic, mate. Think a bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. What about the gun string? Bottom. Hey? What'd you say? The gun is arsenal. Arsenal Gunners, there you go, the bottom. Well done. Question number five. (laughs) Floyd Mayweather has his next exhibition boxing match set up against a former reality TV star. Which reality TV show was his opponent on? Oh, Oh, dude, that was Love Island. 
Love Island <laughs> Sorry, mate. That was a tough old one. We're going to get a Mike from Christchurch. Morning, Mike. Morning, guys. Morena. There you go. Here we go, mate. This is to take it all out. It's all about timing, this quiz. You get it in here in a good time, you can take it out. Here we go. Floyd Mether. Floyd Way Mayweather. <laughs> Sorry. Wow, I've lost a bit there. Mayweather. As has has his next exhibition boxing match set up against a former reality TV star. Which reality show was his opponent on? <gasps> Finally. Um, Geordie Shaw. Geordie Shaw. There you go. Aaron Chalmers, Geordie Shaw, Mayweather. Getting another wee payday. Must be a little bit short. So there you go, mate. Well done. You've won Quizzy Dag for today. $50 TAB bonus bet coming your way. Stay tuned because Louie will give you a little love racing update and might have to lead you into something. That was Quizzy Dag. Back with the love racing soon. Yes, welcome back. Got a little love racing update from our good friend Louie Herman Watson. Stay tuned. If you're a wee punter, well, I just love listening to these little dabbles because you had a little bit of a... Success over the break, Louis, because I remember watching and you had Cognito uh, and you did a couple others too and they paid real as after. Another one? Another one, was it? Another Bella. Another Bella. Man, and I was like thinking when I did my own multi, I was like, why didn't I just do that multi and uh, just a three-legger? <laughs> would have been juicy because you did a six-leg, didn't you? And you just yeah, we we had a couple of real good fill-ups on the good oil over uh, summer. Mm. The best one I didn't send you this ticket, but the best one is I got chucked. In, I got a little twenty-five dollar bonus bet by our friends, and <laughs> I just put a little four-leg multi together for um, New Year's Day, and it returned yeah, it returned just over a grand out of a little twenty-five dollar bonus bet. It was just, wow. It was for just four legs, and I got over the odds on everything. And Ballon Rouge climbed up, so we had a. A little bit of success, but also I don't want to get ahead of myself because then I went to Karakamillion and <laughs> I had to go play blackjack <laughs> to get my money back. So <laughs> A lot of people were on mad table that night. It tells you everything you need to know. Um, today, though, well, the Love Racing, the Grand Tour Racing Festival, I should say, is coming to you. And this weekend it's down there at, oh, actually, have we got the Shake Chirac tomorrow? We do. We have. 7.40. Oh, boys, big show tomorrow. Richie Moe after eight. We're going to talk some tackle height out of seven. And we've got Alan Sharrick at seven. It's a big show for a Thursday. Uh, so that's good news. We'll talk about the Wellington Cup tomorrow. Today, well, you know, Bazman's back in the country because he's got a horse racing. So Ooh. Baz has landed, and he's going to join us on Friday. Gee whiz, first week back on air, rolling out the heavy hitters. Uh, <laughs> race five today. He's got a wee filly called Buccino Racing, the Lonro filly that he was very, very excited to get his hands on at Caraca this time last year. And she's shown promise. She'll be a better three-year-old for sure. She started running on her races. But that last start third was really nice. And it was on a track that might not have suited her as much as anyway. Today it's a soft track at Mudda I think she'll get along well. So that's 8.50, Now, the reason she's 7.50 out to 8.50 is because in race five, if you go down to the bottom of the book, there's a filly here by Lonro also called Relentless Ruby. 
which is $7.50 into $3.50. And I checked this market about half an hour after it had been put up, and that had already happened. So I don't know what Andrew Forsman... Who knows something? Well, what are you up to, Andrew? And uh, it's in the colours of the China... Racing club, horse racing club. It's obviously the mm. Chinese New Year, so maybe some of the owners are just hammered d- up. Have absolutely <laughs> climbed it. They've gone up to Sky City and just absolutely <laughs> given it a hiding because seven fifty to three fifty, and that was a genuine that's market a move, move as well. That's a big, big move for so the first starter. So if we're smart, we just be we just be backing that because obviously, like, is it? <laughs> Clearly, three sixty is good money, mate. Three fifty, three six, like that's fine. I want seven fifty now. So this is the thing you got to, you've got to, you got to shut that down in your head. This is the reason why I won't back it because I won't back it because I'd have missed out on the seven fifty. But if I was smart, and this is what Clado does, he just followed the money. Three fifty is still great value. I reckon in race four, there's one here. Ah, uh, not race four. What is it? Race number. Three called Tempest, Frankel, uh, Mere, Supita Vala colours. Mm. She ran on off a very slow tempo for a big second last start. She had the fastest last 800, last 600, last 400, last 200 of that race. She faces a little bit stiffer competition today, but $4.20, is each way all day for me. The big threat is Valare, but that's drawn 15, and I'm going to say Craig Zaki gets the gun run from four. And Tempest, a good winning chance uh, in race five, as I said. Relentless Ruby watching out for Bacino. And one at a little bit of each way value, race seven, Neighbourhood. I like Neighbourhood. I think he can gallop, but he's been waiting for the right track. Lance O'Sullivan, Andrew Scott have a big team in today, and I think they might have a pretty good day out as well. So there's your love racing.nz update is... Oh, I just saw Felicine, Felicine in the same race. Non-winner. It's a good horse. No, I can't win. Yeah. Can't win? You don't like it? Well, sorry, I will mean it's 14 starts, it's won once, runs second, seventh. Look at all those gunners. Ooh. (laughs) 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 Okay, okay. Neighbourhood. Maybe a bit of neighbourhood. Look, I think my... um, my band comes off every Thursday, so I won't be having to go today, boys. But uh, that's all right. Good luck if you're having a wee dabble. And if you won that $50 TAB bonus bit, there you go. Couple of Tempest into... What was that one? Yeah, we got it. Not not Buccini, anyway. Coming up, Zoe Sadowski Senate. We're going to be talking to the snowboard legend. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Building and shaping the future. Yes, good morning, Izzy Kempi for breakfast, SCNZ, just after 7 o'clock here on a Wednesday, beautiful morning down here in Ōtautahi Christchurch, the sun is shining, and that's a little bit of net sky to get you going. Well, on net sky, he's playing down here in Ōtautahi Christchurch, we've got the polo, the urban polo, on the 11th of February, if you're down here, make sure you head along, it is such a great event, following that net sky taking place down here so it's a big Saturday to boot in a couple of weeks time myself and Daisy will be there hopefully see you out and about a couple of messages coming through double eight double three regarding the black caps black caps one you can't have your three opening bowlers going for 250 two and your second three going for 150 this doesn't win games three take out Conway and we are in major problems if not already Kevin from Titarangi on the money right there. Well, speaking about Devin Conway, 
We spoke to him earlier, and we will play that for you at around 7.40. But right now, it's time to celebrate some success. And when you hear this name, it always brings success. Zoe Sadowski-Sinnott. While most Kiwis are finally getting a chance to work on their tans, Zoe Sadowski-Sinnott probably couldn't care less because instead she is absolutely crushing it in the minus temps. Zoe, over the weekend, won the Lax Open Slope Style World Cup for the first time in Switzerland. It's a significant because Lax, L-A-A-X, is one of the freestyle skiing and snowboarding's iconic destinations. Anyway, you know what they say for winter athletes. Make hay when the snow is falling. So it's straight into the next event for the young Kiwi Flyer, which just so happens to be the Winter X Games this weekend in Aspen, Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us, Zoe. How you doing? Hey, um, I'm doing good, thanks. Just got to Aspen, had to, uh, you know, fly from Europe to Colorado last last night. So I'm pretty tired, but looking forward to the week. Oh, it's such a quick turnaround. We really appreciate your time coming on the show. Has the buzz worn off yet after achieving what I understand has been a lifelong dream, taking top honours at this event? Yeah, for sure. Um, I don't think it's worn off yet, but definitely need to put it in the background until after this week. Because, um, yeah, the X Games are definitely the biggest event of the season and um, kind of need to stay focused for this one. Hey, yeah. Zoe, were you pretty confident nice. that you had it in the bag after the first run? Um, nah, honestly, not super confident. It was kind of a, it was a funny one on finals day because we had a bit of fresh snow and, um, the speed wasn't super consistent. Um, and it was really hard to make the jump. So in my run, I had to land all my jumps absolutely perfect and just tuck into the next jump Mm. where usually you'd have to shed speed because you'd go too big. And, um, I was stoked that I made it down the course getting over the jump sweep. And um, you never really know until um, the event's over. And uh, I qualified in third, which meant I was third last to drop. So I saw Mia and Anna dropping after me. And honestly, those two are amazing. So I I didn't really know how it was going to go. So what is your mindset on your opening runs at these events? Is it Because you, you can't really ease into it, can you? So are, are you trying to just go out there and blast the course off the off the bat? Um, kind of. It's kind of like a bit of um, tactical when you like take into account the conditions and what everyone else is mm. doing. And I had a run that I wanted to do with uh, the back-to-back 1080s, but since the conditions weren't there um, prime on the day, I had to pull it back a bit. So, um, yeah, you don't really know. Uh, how it's all going to turn out was like doing your best run first off or like whatever. So I kind of put down um, a medium safety run, I'd say. And um, I was ideally going to do a 10 in my second run, but just didn't feel the speed. So, yeah. Man, that, that takes a lot of preparation. So tell us about the preparation. When you when you, you go in with a plan and then you get a sudden change in conditions. So you're obviously planning for plan A, plan B, plan C. Like a lot of adapting out there on the course. It takes a hell of a lot of prep to be able to do that. Yeah, for sure. I You know, you try to, like, have um, 
three different kind of runs that uh, you want to like kind of step up each time and depending on mm. conditions and stuff, you kind of change it around. But um, yeah, I guess for this one, I, uh, yeah, just, I was stoked with the run I put down and obviously wanted to do a bit more in the next one. But yeah, it just happens sometimes. Hey, so bouncing straight into the X Games this weekend, how important is momentum and flow when you find form to carry it through to the next event? Um, yeah, it's kind of kind of important. I feel like it uh, it works for me uh, in the season, like carrying the momentum um, into events. So I hope that means I'll do well, and I hope that I've put in enough work over the last year um, to back up my golds um but yeah i'm really excited the course looks super sick and everyone's riding super well so it'll be fun all right this is a question only you could probably answer but how does a world cup win compare to an x games gold or compared to an olympic gold like Elliot, which one is how do you weigh that up which one's more important to yourself um that is a really really hard one um I guess it depends on a lot of different circumstances, but Olympics and X Games are honestly pretty close together. Um, and then World Cups, a bit lower, but the Larks Open has to be the one World Cup that you dream um, of winning in your career because of the history behind it and the prestige. So, um, But yeah, X Games is definitely the event that I'm most excited for this season. Hey Zoe, how do you how do you celebrate? Like when you win something, you know, on the world stage, such as a World Cup. Like, what what do you? And you know, you've got the X Games coming up just around the corner. How do you actually celebrate? What what do you? What are the things that you get out there and do to to say, oh man, I I really need to enjoy this one. Um, good question. Um, usually uh, there are after parties for these events. Um, <laughs> yeah. But when you're doing back-to-back to back events, you kind of have to, um, you know, manage uh, your energy and stuff like that. So, um, you know, have a couple of drinks, but kind of keep it low-key. And um, this, is, this is the biggest event, so hopefully celebrate after this week. Well, hopefully you have some success. What's tour life like for a snowboarder on the on the circuit? Yeah, can you give us a little inside look to what you get up to for your free time? Obviously, you'd be training extremely hard, but you must get away from the snow because I I hate the cold. I'll be honest, I hate it. So I don't know how you can just follow <laughs> the snow around. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it is pretty gnarly, but um, you know we do train a lot, and usually it's freezing, mm. so. When you get back from the hill, um, uh, you know, hang out with the other competitors or your friends and stuff. Because um, we, we're all friends now on tour. I've been doing it for a few years. And uh, at the moment, I travel around with the football, and that keeps me pretty entertained. Um, and, yeah, spa outside in winter is next level, so I try to do that as well. Man, what about life for you, Zoe? Like, you're, you're the ambassador for FIFA World Cup, you know, like, you've just been named New Zealand Order of Merit over the holidays. That must have been pretty surreal. So life has changed drastically for Zoe, but has Zoe changed at all? Still the same, humble Wanaka. 
Um, yeah, I don't think I've changed too much. Um, obviously, after the Olympics, a lot more opportunities arise, and that is super exciting and very grateful for that. Um, but I try to keep it super mellow and stick to um, mm. stick to who I am. So, yeah, I don't think so. Beautiful. All right, we're gonna we're gonna have to let you go shortly. But just one more quick question: goals and aspirations. You've done it all, and you've done plenty. So, what what drives you? Is there something that you're really striving for that you want to achieve this year? Yeah, for sure. I I guess this week, um, backing up, uh, winning X, mm. two X Games golds would be um, a huge dream to come true for me. And I guess um, at the moment I've kind of won every event that I've wanted to win in slope style and big air. And now it's looking at like trying to like repeat those wins and also looking at performance and trying to put down those tricks that no one's ever done. Um, and then also outside of slope style and big air, I do natural selection um, and to get into the Alaska stop and win the overall for that is a huge goal of mine. And, um, yeah, hopefully this year, but if not, I mean, I've got my whole career, so, yeah. Uh, you're only young. You're only a spring chicken. And I'm just having a wee giggle here because I remember your dad. He was such an icon at the, at the games, all his interviews on TV. How are, the, how are the olds doing, the parents? Your dad, mate, he was an absolute character. I, I love seeing him on TV, enjoying life and enjoying your success. Yeah, for sure. He absolutely um, was frothing after that one. Um, still hasn't really like uh, he hasn't really come down back down to earth from that one. Um, but he, yeah, he's my biggest supporter, and um, my parents are uh, always my biggest supporters. So glad to have them. Um, you know, they'll be watching this week. So yeah, grateful. Oh, awesome. Well, I look forward to having a champagne with him one day, mate. He looks like a hell of a hoot. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much, Zoe. <laughs> and congratulations on the World Cup. Oh, All God. the best in Aspen for the X Games, and, and thanks so much for finding time for us. Really appreciate it. No worries. Thank you, guys. Zoe Sadowski-Sinnott, a global superstar and she's only so young, starting her career in 81.30 on her first run. And you'd think she was saying uh, at the World Cup, Kimpy just probably wouldn't have been enough. But um, I loved how she spoke about the adapting. Mm. You know, you can go in with a plan. And everyone plans for every, uh, has a plan, but the plan might not go the way that you want it to do. And that is the difference between good and great in these athletes. They've been able to tap, adapt on the run. And, uh, you know, different um, your conditions are thrown at them. So she's an absolute superstar. The, the so humble, down to earth. Yeah, and that, and that's the surprising part of it. You know, when you're talking to the, mm. the, the, um, the snow champs that we have is how level-headed they are when they're talking to you. You know, you think mm. you think like we're not to, we're not talking competitions that they're just going up and competing and they're winning World Cups. You know, Olympic medals, and then you get, you go and chat to them, and they take it in their stride. Their mental space—I don't know whether it's because it's frozen. Um, it's so strong, mate. You know, you can you gather 
gather that confidence from them when they're talking. So um, I, I love it. You know, to think that our our little country is producing those type of champions and just the way that she just gets on with the conversation. Um, again, their, t- their mental toughness, mate, the fortitude is unbelievable. Mm. Yeah, we're very blessed down under. You got Nico Porteous, you got Alice Robinson, and uh, I remember seeing Alice up in, uh, in in Queenstown, and I was like, "Man, I'm going to follow her." And she just went zoop straight down there on her skis and left me in <laughs> in my snow dust. So, uh, awesome, great get, lads. Really appreciate it. And uh, if you got any. Uh, if you if you if you heard anything or you want to hear anything, go and have a listen on Izzy and uh, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on the on the SCNZ app, and you'll catch that Zoe Sadowski Senate coming up. We got off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Where is Uncle Kempi going to go with this? Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. Much has been said about the new tackle below the waist rule, a rule that's been introduced to attempt to lower concussion and head impact injuries. But will the rule changes in its intended design be enough to negate the effects of collision in today's modern game? Personally, I don't think so. Whilst concussion is an incredibly serious issue, I think that taking the game back to the future is essentially using the techniques of our grand- grandfathers learnt without paying respect to the development and progression over the years of the modern day player. I believe this won't be enough to achieve the outcomes the RFU are seeking. But here's three options that I believe make more sense than lowering the tackle height to negate head injuries. Number one, restrict the number of reserves you carry on your bench. With the modern game, athletes are becoming bigger, faster and fitter. Finding a weak link in a defensive line is near impossible. Utilising fatigue as an option to counter-impact injuries makes sense. Instead of replacing tight athletes with fresh ones, make them play 80 minutes, where the impact over time becomes softer and will create more passive tackles. Number two, get rid of the wrestle. Holding players up in grappling creates all sorts of problems, but also allows the defensive line to reset. No wrestle, no reset, no impact. Passive tackles. And thirdly, reward a legs tackler with the momentum shifting to the defending team. For instance, if a legs tackler is complete, the defender then is allowed to jackle unimpeded. And like that of a scrum with no props, the ruck becomes an uncontestable um, uh, ruck and the defending team receives the ball. This is relatively passive and is a reward for good defensive technique. To think that making one rule change won't have many more implications is naive. In my humble opinion, tackling around the waist will create more problems than solutions if the rule changes haven't understood the impact of the change. And returning a modern athlete back to the future to learn how our grandfathers tackled isn't the answer. Off the back fence with Tony Kemp. To restrict the reserves, the number of reserves, will we'll limit the collisions and impacts later when they fatigue and these modern day athletes uh, can play 80 minutes. You've got to think of the the props and, and you've got to carry an extra hooker just in case the scrum goes down and things like that. So there's probably that potential, but backs, maybe. Get rid of the wrestle. Get rid of the wrestle. And if you uh, get rid of the wrestle, so what are, you, what are you hoping to see there? The wrestle, if you take the wrestle out, holding up players, slowing the ball down, 
Is that what what kind of you're alluding to there? Yeah. So no, yeah, when you, you know how how players are trying to always hold up and 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 yeah. get the get the turnover. Well, what mm-hmm. people see, what I'm trying to say is that what people don't understand is that an action, so an action creates another action. You know what I mean? Are they and they haven't taken into context all the actions. One of the ones around wrestling, both in both games, rugby union and rugby league, a simple one is that everyone gets set and eyes up and knows exactly where the ball's going. And you'll find if you actually uh, analyse the game, most of the collision would happen after a reset line. Is really solid. You know what I mean? So take away, you've got to take away the action that's creating that and holding up players. I remember a rule when I played, I first came out of first 15. It's funny, I've got a funny story that my dad actually walked on the field when I got injured in first 15, told me I could never play first 15 again Um, because I was playing a rugby league for him. You know what I mean? So what I did was I snuck out of the house on a Saturday. I used to run up to Tikarangi and and play for the boys, all the second team boys that couldn't make the Clifton side on a Saturday and one of the rules they introduced back then was if you got touched and hit your knees you remember that so you got touched mm-hmm. you weren't tackled and you fell to your knees you had to let the ball go yeah you know what I mean and what that did was that actually stopped any other collision around it it was I thought it was a really good um, a really good rule I remember we played Clifton and one of my mates all he had to do he was playing on the wing because all the Clifton boys were you know all the good footballers and all the Tikarangi boys were boys that couldn't make the team he ran down the sideline and all he had to do was run to the sideline and score the try but he decided to run straight at me I was playing fullback and I just pushed him and he fell on his knees and he slid over the line and put the ball down the referee said no you got to let the ball go so what this this whole concept is it's like Reserves, for instance, anyone I had to I had to con- consider any both games really when I was looking at it. Anyone knows that one of the biggest issues you got is across the board when you get tired, you just replace them with a fit player. Mm. And there is it's really hard to break down defensive lines. Well, stop stop replacing them. You know, back in back in the day, mate, you played two reserves in first grade in the NRL, and two of the other reserves came out of second grade that played the game before. So you always got teams at the back end of the game and it was more passive as the game went on. And I just don't, as in my point being, I don't think they've thought um, long and deep enough about the impacts around all the other actions. No, I totally agree. And, and Johnny Sexton's already come out and thinks it's a hell of a stupid idea. And which is crazy, his dad, um, you know, the Farrell and, and the coach and, and the sons Owen Farrell and know the struggles he's going through lately. He's been under a hell of a lot of pressure with his tackle technique and shooting out of line. But Johnny Sexton had a slow stab because someone that shoots out of line is Owen Farrell when he shoots out of line and, and that's when you put your, your body in position. I don't think it's going to work, Kempe. The, the, the waist height tackle... You know, I know, Louis, you spoke earlier, you knocked out plenty of times because you go low, you put your head into some really vulnerable positions and you get kneed right in the noggin. And then you look at those two-metre Peter guys going to get low, they're going to struggle. And it just, yeah, I, I, I think this is a pretty erratic decision from the RFU. They've been under a lot of pressure. I think Owen Farrell made that pressure even more. And, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a tough Tough to win clubs over. Is this going to impact? Is because I think the reason we spoke to Ed earlier, the reason is families and and young kids trying to encourage them to play the game when they're seeing their players get knocked out and really struggle and, and dealing with concussions that shies away. So this decision that they're making probably trying to encourage players to come and play. But yeah, that's a great one.
if you if you got anything to, uh, to say on our Kempi's off the back fence regarding waist height tackle, let us know double eight double three on the temper bed post text machine. Are you for or are you against it? Do you see the positives or you think it's just weak from the RFU over in England? And will it come down under? Already at the sternum, will that continue to drop? Want to hear from her? Even better if you want to give us a call oh eight hundred one five zero. 8-11 on the Kennard's Hire phone line. We love hearing your voice. Anyway, that was um, that was Zoe Sadowski Center earlier, and that was off the back fence with Tony Kemp. If you've just joined in, you can catch everything throughout the week on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast on our SCNZ app and our podcast. Going to shoot off and come back with Louis' headlines, some more headlines from Louis. Here's Aroha of the News for Kubota, building and shaping the future. We spoke to Zoe Sadowski Sinner at the start of the hour. Privileged to catch up with her on the eve of the X Games as the defending dual gold medalist. Listen to her about her goals. At the moment, I've kind of won every event that I've wanted to win in slope style and big air. And now it's looking at like trying to like repeat those wins and also looking at performance and trying to put down those tricks. There you go. Can she go back to back? Well, I wouldn't be betting against her. And staying with the snow sports, how's this from overnight? Alice Robinson is back on form with eighth place finish in the giant slalom world mm. cup in Kromplatz, Italy. So now she's had a little bit of a form slump just towards the end of last year. In an, well, actually in an Olympic year, Alice Robinson, which wasn't ideal, but the Alpine ski racer, eighth placed FIS giant slalom world cup, that's a huge effort. It's her top result since March 2021. So from the moment she was out, she was away and flying. Excellent stuff, Alice Robinson. And overnight, the Black Caps fell to a 0-3 and three series ledger against India. But Devin Conway, 130 plenty, 130 something off not many. Mm. I think about a, I think he struck stroked at about a hundred and a strike out of 130 five or so. So that was a pretty impressive performance. He's going to tell us yep. about it in just a second. But this is the sort of stuff he will um, be referencing, including his personal performance. I think you know personally, I'm obviously pretty happy with the way things are. But you know, I'm not trying to just be humble here. But I feel like. You're always wanting to contribute and, um, you know, get the team across the line. So, you know, I'm sitting back here pretty happy with how things went today, but still a little bit frustrated that I wasn't able to get the boys across the line. And, you know, those are the things that mm. just keep keep you motivated and keep you wanting to improve. What a bloke. What a bloke. That's a team man, Louis. That's an absolute team man. And Henry and Nichols, they, they created a little bit of partnership but wasn't able to continue and... Well, they only completed about 41 overs for you know losing by 90 runs, so they still had nine overs, 10 and over. It was achievable, they just didn't have wickets in hand. But anyway, we got off the back fence with Tony Kemp regarding tackle height rule. And Joe from Gizzy, our good friend, his first call of the year. We missed him. How you doing, Joe? Well, good brother. How you guys doing? Happy New Year, gentlemen. Happy New Year. Good to see you back on the airwaves and survived a, uh, a summer with your mother-in-law there, is he? <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was a good couple of weeks, but the weather was poor, Joe. Weather was poor. Mate, you brought it with you, mate. It was poor. I was flooding up here for a month, mate. Hey, washed half the coast away, brother. I don't know what's going to happen up here. We'll have to rebuild it. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> All those pine trees down that creek. Anyway, don't get political on me. What do you got for us? Tackle height rule. 
Oh, mate, it's a detriment of our game, mate. We're uh, we're on a we're we're on a slippery slope anyway, with a lot of uh, a lot of young ones mm. going away from the game, both in league and in uh, union. You know, with you yeah. know parents uh, taking their kids to other games, other things available, and here we go, just uh, chopping ourselves off at the knees, literally. You know, I think you're going to reward nobody with uh, mm. with this rule because there's copious amounts of concussions that happen with guys tripping, falling, split-second decisions where physical men change angles are going to result in concussions. Yes, mm. that, there, there's that percentage of guys who go high, there is that. But this is this is not how we teach the future guys to, to future-proof themselves, you know, against the offload and against the ball, you know, being unloaded. And, and, and guys going around the knees, like you say, you're going to lead to more concussions if we're going to drive mm. our, our, our young guys to, to do that. And, and the younger they get knocked out... You know, under 14s, under 12s, by grass cutting with the tackle, the more guys are going to go away yeah. from the game. Yeah, and it's going to, it's, I think you're going to have more guys go over to league because they love the physicality. Yeah. And I think, I think Kempe's right. But the problem with union, we have so many rules. We need to take rules out <laughs> and just make it simpler again, like, like league do. You know, they're simple guys who play league, real simple guys. They can be. So, so the less rules for those guys. They understand them. Get back 10, make a tackle. Get back 10, make a tackle. What we need to do in union, we need to take a lot of those rules out. Because even people watching the game, is yeah, don't I understand agree. it. It's, okay? uh, it's I nice agree. having a rocket scientist on this early in the morning, getting our brains going, I, Joe. Um, I and totally the, agree. And really, the only sense the rocket scientists made was about the movement. As a, you remember, Joe, back in your day when you played, not many blokes had the, had the Benji Marshall step. And and before that, our fathers, none of them stepped. And then what we have today, everyone's got a Benji Marshall step. So if you tell people to tackle around the legs and they put their eyesight, so just practice it at home, you've got to tackle around your legs. Crouch down, one, you're in a really weak position, so they'll run through you because um, your, your feet are parallel with the try line. And two, you can't see the person because your head's down and they move on you. And I think that in a, alone is going to cause more concussions. So... They haven't really thought the the rule through, Joe. I think it's a, a stab in the dark. They're just, I don't know whether it is trying to um, appease the policymakers around concussion. But people, smart people, are just going to go. It's not going to work. And I think what's going to happen is going to waste probably three or four seasons where this comes in. They're going to see it doesn't work. They're going to see the game slide, and then they're going to try and rescue it. And that's what I that's what I think is the wrong with our game. We react too much. We can look at a long term strategy, but like the Warriors, we don't have one. You know, and so yeah, we'll see how that goes in the long term with rugby. We need to keep our youngsters. You know, it's hard enough at the moment. You know, keeping youngsters in, in, in all of the contact sports. So uh, I think it's a stab in the dark, gentlemen. But I'd uh, love to hear your boys back. And uh, you know, let's keep going, boys. Let's go on. It's the year of the Warriors. Let's, let's go on. Let's go on, Joe from Gizzy. Appreciate. It. Love hearing your voice, mate. And you, you are very you have a solid point every single time you give us a call. Be like Joe. Oh, eight hundred one five zero eight to eleven. Thanks so much, brother. We're going to shoot off, and we'll come back because Devin Conway. We spoke to him earlier. Coming up, India have this morning again proven why they will be favourites to win their home fifty over World Cup, claiming top spot in the world rankings at the expense of our Black Caps, who unfortunately slumped to a 3-0 series defeat, setting a whopping 385 to chase for the Black Caps. It proved too much, despite a huge Conway ton. Ultimately, India winning by 19 runs. Devin Conway has been good enough to jump on the phone with us now for a quick debrief. G'day, Dev. 
Uh, just quickly, mate. How are the hey, spirits? Izzy. Obviously not what you're after. Yeah, certainly, Izzy. You know, I think we're we're a little bit disappointed. Um, you know, it's, it's not it's not always nice walking away from a mm. series loss. Um, so yeah, we're a little bit disappointed, but um, yeah, we've got to give credit to, to India with the way they played over the last three games, and we'll take those learnings um, into the future. Mm. Hey, morning, Dev. It's Kempe here, mate. Just um, those those learnings. What do you think you've learned through these uh, one day one day internationals? Yeah, I think um, in terms of the learnings, um, in terms of the batting batting performance, we we probably learned that we need to like hold on to partnerships a lot better. Um, you know, mm. we we lost quite a few wickets up top too too often and allowed their bowlers, you know, to put us under pressure for long periods of time and. That way, we weren't able to sort of, you know, put put the attack under under pressure. Um, and I think with the ball as well, um, you know, with the way uh, Rohit and Shipman played throughout the series, um, you know, the pressure that they put on our bowlers is, is, is some of the learnings that we can take in the batting unit moving forward, especially here in the subcontinent. Well, someone like Rohit Sharma and Shubman Gill was yourself, mate. You batted extremely well. You got yourself in. So, what was what was your messaging to, to the fellow batsmen coming in? I know Henry Nichols put on a a wee solid uh, batting partnership as well. But how were you over to able to overcome the pitch and, and the bowling um, that was coming towards you? Yeah, I think um, you know personally, it was about trying to get through that that early that early period with the new ball swinging. Um, you know, Hardik mm. Pandya was swinging it both ways, so it made it pretty challenging for us. Uh, to put them under pressure, but we sort of said, you know, if we just get through the next, you know, eight eight to ten overs, that ball won't swing as much, and then we'll be able to put our foot down and put them under pressure. Um, it was nice to have that partnership with Henry Nichols at the other end, you know, he hit the ball really well, um, and, and we put them under pressure. We just unfortunately lost wickets at bad periods, and we weren't able to sort of mm. take the, the game as deep as we'd like to. Dev, what's the, what's the main difference with the Indian wickets compared to um, down here, what, what can what can you tell our listeners um, that the main difference is up there? Yeah, I think the the main difference is just the amount of bounce that these surfaces have. Um, they're slightly skiddier, slightly lower in bounce, which makes it a little bit more of a challenge, or or it's more of a surprise to what we're used to um, in terms of facing seam. And then with the spinners, um, it, there are some balls when they bowl it quicker, it sort of skids on, and then when they bowl it slightly slower, it sort of grips and turns. So um, those sort of different clues are very subtle and hard to pick up on as a batter. But um, the more and more you play on these surfaces and the more and more you get exposed to that sort of bowling, it, it, it can only boast well for you in the future, you know, in subcontinent conditions. Yeah, we spoke to Millsy yesterday. It is quite a difficult task, particularly when you haven't been over, uh, over in India for a while and uh, being able to face those conditions. Just without Tim and, and Kane in the mix for this Indian tour, did you find yourself chipping in from a leadership perspective? Um, yeah, I think subtly. Sort of just felt like all of a sudden, you know, I've got more to offer, especially to the group, because we're such a young group and, and inexperienced mm. as well without those those guys, along with Balti as well. It sort of felt like it was my duty to try and pass information on whenever I could. Um, you know, if that were to be help with, with that, uh, other batters or whether it be sort of talking to some of the younger bowlers coming in, what might be effective on a certain surface, that's what I tried to do. Um, I probably could do more of it as well. You know, I haven't played a lot of international cricket personally, but, you know, if we can find ways um, as a young group, group um, 
to, to pass on information and share that's probably beneficial for our group. And how important is that experience, um, Dev, for those young, those, especially those young bowlers to get uh, on these international tours? Yeah, I think it's brilliant. You know, I think if you look at uh, Duff Man coming in today, um, you know, Blair Tickner as well, these guys mm. are just going from strength to strength playing in these in these games. You know, I think all three games that we've played at the, the crowd and the, the atmosphere has been unreal. Um, you know, not something that we're used to, you know, playing in front of 60,000 60, plus in the last game and a full house here tonight. It's just makes it makes it so, so much more enjoyable. And um, yeah, it's just for them, the learnings to bowl under pressure is, is, is pretty some is pretty good. When you're talking about bowling, I was reading this morning, 212 runs opening partnership from India off 26 overs. So you're staring down the barrel nearly a half a 500 runs chasing there, but you, you, you managed to wrangle them in. Obviously, that would have been part of the plan, knowing the importance of Shubman Gill. Like his stats, 360 runs in this series, pretty scary numbers. So was there a, was there a nice solid plan or were they just very difficult and hard to get out over in India? Yeah, I think, um, you know, the way they started was um, pretty unreal. <laughs> they put our boys under mm. some serious pressure. And the, the way they batted um, sort of took us a little bit off guard, to be deadly honest with you. Um, you know, we were steering yeah. at probably 400 plus at one, at one moment. But I think, you know, as a group, when we, when we got to our first drinks break, we, we sort of mentioned to each other that, listen, we need to just hang in here, continue, you know, good body presence, good... Um, Mm. pressure on their batters for long periods of time and when we get when we get that breakthrough let's put the new batter, batter under pressure that way we can sort of creep the, the game back into our favor but you know the way those two open the batting put us put us in a in, in a real spot of bother yeah it'll be frustrating as anything if you're putting it in good spots and you're getting pumped over the boundaries i can only imagine tough tough when you're facing uh when you're bowling against those quality players but just quickly before we let you go dev Three T20s starting this weekend. How determined will the boys be to get some reward for a lot of hard work on this tour? Yeah, no, we're certainly looking forward to that. You know, a different format for us. It's very exciting. You know, played a fair bit of white ball cricket over the last three weeks. So I think the T20 stuff um, for us will be will be certainly very exciting um, and just another fresh start for us to sort of bounce back after this series defeat. They just... Before you go, don't be humble about this, but you must be pretty chuffed with your own personal performances. Like, week in, week out, you're looking quality. Apart from the second the ODI, it was a tough night for everyone involved, but you must be pretty chuffed with how things are going for your international career. Yeah, I think, you know, personally, I'm obviously pretty happy with the way things are, but, you know, I'm not trying to just be humble here, but I feel like, you're always wanting to contribute and, um, you know, get the team across the line. So, you know, I'm sitting back here pretty happy with how things went today, but still a little bit frustrated that I wasn't able to get the boys across the line. And, you know, those are the things that mm. just keep keep you motivated and keep you wanting to improve moving forward. Never, never content, mate. Love it. Appreciate your honesty, uh, Devin Conway. And uh, all the best for the next couple of T20s taking place this weekend. We're right behind you live here on SCNZ, brother. Thanks so much. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. SENZ. Devin Conway, post that 
Well, Heartbreaky loss, but he put on a clinic, 138 from his uh, performances innings there. In the last ODI, they got three T20s coming up. Just going to read a quick message from Ed. Baz always told us, put the right people in the right seats on the bus. And we've had four different skips since the end of last year. Who's driving this waka? <laughs> Ed, who is driving this waka? You're dead right, Ed. There has been changes aplenty. And that Black Caps team, and when you've got so many changes, you can't get any consistency, you can't forge those relationships, and it's a, it's a difficult task. So you're right on the money there. And that was Devin Conway. If you got anything from that interview, it was great to have him post that match. Uh, let us know. Double eight, double three. You're going to shoot off and uh, going to come back with a wee bomb squad for myself. Yes, welcome back. We're just coming up to 8 o'clock here on a Wednesday and we just spoke to Devin Conway and it's great to hear from Devin. He's been flying in that Black Caps team. But a message has come through on the on the text machine from Tim. Gary Stead is a great bloke, but I feel it's time for a refresh in the coaching team. And I was kind of... Yeah, everyone's constantly going to look at the coach and, and, and ask for change if things aren't going right. We've all been through a golden era with the Black Caps, and uh, now we're just coming to a situation, maybe a, a different mindset, a different direction, a different approach from uh, from a coaching team, and I know many of you would love to see Baz come back and bring Baz Ball back to the Black Caps, but I don't think that would happen, he's going great guns with England, he's got a job to do, and he's achieved a wee bit, but he's got plenty to go, so is there anyone else out there that could potentially take over from Gary Stead? Someone you'd love to uh, see take the helm. Let us know. Double eight, double three on the Temper Bedpost text machine. Because Gary Stead's there now. Stephen Flem, would there be enough in the kitty to entice him back from India? Let us know. Love to hear you. Richard Whiffin coming up. He's the Highlanders attack coach. And, well, they've made a major signing. Freddie Burns. Here's Harawa with the news for Kubota. Building and shaping the future. It's real. Love that I feel. Well, nothing has forever, but I'm down for the many soldiers chill. Good morning, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast, SCNZ. It's a cracking day down here in Christchurch. The sun is shining, blue skies galore. And we're into our last hour of the show. Coming up, we're going to be talking some rugby. And I've got a wee bomb squad on the rugby. I've just done plenty of pre-season. I guess watching yesterday's social media, Instagram, seeing the All Blacks run through their Bronco straight into the gym and seeing uh, Alex... Uh, uh, Newell out there and 272.5 kgs on the squat. Wow, that is something to boot. So that the preseason is well amongst us, and there's already been some big names, some big signings that have got the pundits talking over the last couple of weeks. And right now we're going to talk about it. Well, we spoke snow sports last hour, so we thought we may as well continue with the winter sports theme today and talk some code. Super Rugby, believe it or not, is only a month or so away. And the Highlanders are adding an international flavour this year to try and return to where they believe they should be on the table. This week they unveiled their new English playmaker, Freddie Burns, who will bring a real edge of class and stability down south and working with them closely, no doubt, will be fellow Englishman and new attack coach Richard Whiffen. Richard is on the line with us now to talk about the year ahead for the Landers. Morning, mate. How you doing? Very good, thank you. Yourself? Yes, very good. Up and about. It's a beautiful day here. What's the weather like down in Dunedin? No doubt be sun is shining as well. 
Yeah, mate, it's an absolute uh, uh, a done as stunner as I've uh, I've learned uh, over the last couple of weeks. It's been lovely since I've been down in the fair, mate. So, yeah, sunny, it's all good. Beautiful, mate. How's the transition been for yourself, Richard? Obviously, you coached at the World Cup with the Wales women's rugby team, and then you've been asked by Clark Dermody to come out and and have a crack in, in the Highlanders setup, mate. How have you found the transition? Yeah, it's been it's been awesome, mate. Um, Really enjoying it. Players have, have, have bought into into the philosophy and the principles that we're you know trying to trying to put in place, and um, I think they're enjoying uh, slightly different uh, in environment and 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 learning um, different ways to 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 strike and to play. Um, but in in terms of from my end, it's just uh, it's been a bit of a whirlwind, but. Um, yeah, loving every minute of it so far. Hey, Richard, attack coach, and I've always wanted to ask this question: what What do you think the difference is between the northern hemisphere and the southern hemisphere that um, you can bring down here, especially implementing with the landers? Um, I think uh, very, very quickly you can see um, the difference around set piece and and the, the, the game management. Um, I think they're areas that um, you know some of those. Uh, traditional um, pillars of the of the northern hemisphere game. Um, the the speed down here is a lot quicker in terms of um, the the transition element, and there's a, there's a lot more focus in and around the the counter attack and turnover. Um, and so I think from from my end, it's it's almost bringing a balance um, of the stuff that's already ingrained down down here um, in Super, and especially um, with the Highlanders, and and almost just trying to um, add a, a, a different flavour and give give the guys a, a, a different understanding of, of how we can um, you know, build our way up the field and, um, and and play ultimately where the space is. Now you got Clark Dumity, you got Tom Donnelly, you got yourself. You got a really young, uh, and you know you've had you've been experienced but relatively new coaching group. How has Clark Dumity taken over the, the the coaching role? And does he is he a bit more of a is he a hands-on head coach, or does he allow you guys to go out there and just coach the way that you can coach? Yeah, no, he's 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 been awesome, um, and he gives gives us pretty pretty good autonomy in our areas. Um, you know, he's um, he he knows how he wants the the game to be played, uh, and but but in terms of us having um, you know our own reign of our of our of our ship, you know, we're we're in charge of that. But as a as a group, um, there's there's good collaboration. You know, we're there's a real um, drive from all of us to, to co-coach and to coach in the moment on, you know, if, if it's an offensive element that, that, you know, we're coaching both sides of the ball and, um, you know, Tom Donnelly, Ricky Flute in the background are, are picking up little bits yeah. and pieces uh, as and when we go through. So it's definitely a collaborative um, coaching environment that, that's, um, yeah, I'm really enjoying this. There's, there's um, you know, there's some really healthy debate in the, in the coaching office and, um, <laughs> it, it, it's it's getting it's getting um, yeah we're seeing it transfer onto the training field. Well, I'll tell you what, Tom Donnelly isn't short of a word, mate. He's got plenty to say. I played with Tom, <laughs> so Sassy, Sassy, with plenty to say. Hey, quick, I'm just read off some names: Marty Banks, Mitch Hunt, Cam Miller, yes. and you got Sam Gilbert that could potentially fill that ten role. Now you've gone out and got Freddie Burns. How and why did this come about, mate? And what's Freddie going to offer to this outfit? Um, well, I think you know to, to start with, we have to be realistic around um, some of the you know um, Mitch and and and, uh, yeah. and Marty hadn't played for a while, and you know there's there's mm. 
Um, they're both, to be fair, on their on their way back and tracking really well. And yeah, we got. We, I hope those guys will will be good to go for the year. Um, and then with yep. Cam, you know, you've got someone who's got uh, got massive potential. And he's going to be a huge player for the for the Highlanders um, going forward in his career. But um, the opportunity that you know with, with that, that that arose with Freddie being available, um, you know, he's he's got bags of experience, international experience. You know, he he, he led the he led the Tigers to to victory last year in the in the Prem. Um, and 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 also someone that um, he's got that attacking flair, so he'll suit Super Rugby. Um, that's his that's nice. his sort of go-to. But he's but I suppose his last three or four years at Leicester have really, I think, um, built his game management and his understanding uh, um, around that. So I think he'll come down and he'll he'll fit in really well with the boys, um, and he'll just be able to um, complement those those other tens that that we've mentioned. Um, to, to you know, to, to to improve us as a as a squad and and to and to drive our our understanding of how we want to play. Hey, Richard, fresh eyes on the Landers coming in. Who's impressed you? Um, I've been massively impressed with Sam Gilbert. You mentioned him earlier. Um, yeah. You know, guy. You know, big, tall, powerful uh, man. Um, who dominates the 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 air, but real subtlety in his game that. Um, you know, for, for me, you know, scouting the team last year, um, you know, he played a number of different positions, but I think he's got a, he's got real potential to, to, to really hopefully nail down that, that 15 jersey, but a 15 that, that can really be someone that threatens the line as a first receiver as well in phase play. So um, massively impressed with, with Sam and, and what, he's, um, what he's offered so far. Mate, you've got firepower all over the park, and someone I'm excited to hopefully come back and, and tear it up and have a big 2023 is uh, Falau Um How's he tracking, yeah. mate? And, and just quick, I've been watching the socials. You've been working probably hardest out of any other teams, extremely hard. You're working weekends sometimes. Is that kind of the signs that, of the kind of style of game you want to play, ball and play and play fast and, and play everywhere, sporadic? Yeah, 100%. Like, we want, we want to... Um... Yeah, we want our boys to be the fittest in the competition, um, and we want us to be able to to test teams and take and take them deep into the well. So, um, yeah, the boys have been they've been uh, into some dark places uh, over the last few weeks, and <laughs> I think that's that's uh, allowed us. You know, they've been working hard in and around the the, the gym and their their off-feet stuff, which has allowed us as a whole new group of coaches to to get a lot more coaching time on the grass with the with the lads, which has been awesome. Um, and then back to your first question around Falau, um, he's tracking well. Um, you know, he's he's back. He's he's on the training field. He's he's um, he's in our fifteen on fifteen. So you know, he's he's worked really hard on on his on his rehab. And you know, he was obviously with the with the ABs the last couple of days. Um, so you know, he's you know he's tracking well for 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 being available for for the season. So you know, he is a weapon that um, that we want to be able to use. Hey Richard, looking at Super Rugby, where is a I guess from your perspective as a, as a coach, where is uh, there somewhere in the competition that you can look to expose? Um, I think there's there's massive opportunity, especially with the with the the new interpretation stroke laws that the the refs are gonna are gonna bring in. Like I think um, already, yeah, with, with with them the defensive nine having to having to stay but behind the tunnel. Um, you're going to start yeah. seeing a lot more uh, playable ball off scrum. Um, I think you're going to see a lot more uh, uh, interaction with your eights off the off the base. So I think not necessarily weakness of the comp- or opportunity of competition. I think the fact that they 
open the, the laws up, I think you'll see a much better brand off the off the back of scrums. Um, nice. Which you know, we all know is one of the best ball to, to play from and um hopefully, you know, that, that that will open up open up the game even more. Beautiful, mate. Beautiful. Well, look, that would be remiss of me not to ask this question. It's been exposed all over the world, and you come from up there, so I've got to ask you, the waist-height tackle rule, mate, what's your thoughts yeah. on it? Um, I, you know, I've, I've, I was shocked when it came out, and obviously listened to all the podcasts <laughs> that have been going around about it. Um, yeah, I, I, I think it's disappointing from, from my end. I think it's going to turn a lot of, you know, I've, I've got, got a lot of mates still in the the UK that play low level uh, rugby just you know with their mates just and the general consensus is they're not too fussed about playing a game where you know they can't rip in in the tackle so it seems like it's a decision that or it's been an issue within the pro game that they've kind of put on the amateur game which I'm not 100% sure where and I, they'll, 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 you know, they'll I'm sure they'll have their reasonings <laughs> yeah <laughs> no he's um, <laughs> no, he's been in tackle clubs he's been in tackle clubs he'll yeah. be fine yeah I like, um, I like nah, so I think um <laughs> I think I think it's a big big decision that um, whether there might be some unintended consequences off the back of it will be uh, will be the, the the interesting one. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think it's pretty um, drastic and, and rash rational um, yeah. decision they've had to make, and just out of nowhere, and they've made it for for one reason only, and that's the international the pressure that they were on. I feel, and it's affected the community. Yeah. And without the community, there won't be any international, Richard, mate. Hey, uh, appreciate your time this morning. And uh, from what I'm hearing, I think the Hollanders are going to have a great season. I know it's just a start, but uh, showing signs early. Uh, thanks so much, Richard, and uh, all the best for the rest of the season, mate. Yeah, no worries. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. There he is, Richard Whiffen. is the tech coach for the Hollanders, and uh, very refreshing. Mm. Very refreshing. They can learn a lot. Um, it'll be a difficult task coming down here, like you you think can be at the set pieces probably put to the back. It's playing open. It's playing a bit of a unstructured style of play. And they're really structured up in the north. So bringing those philosophies down under and, and getting the buy-in from the players, um, I, I hope, yeah, it unfolds and things go well for them. Yeah, well, well different styles. new young coaching set up. Yeah, different mm. styles like you're talking about, Northern Hemisphere. So he's definitely going to bring something down um, from that part of the world. Just like the Warriors, mate, they've, they've done the same by bringing Richie Agar down um, from the English game, bringing fresh eyes to the organisation. Uh, what I liked, what I really liked, was they wanted to be the fittest team in the competition. If you're the fittest team in the competition, you, as you know, you're able to um, go out there and do what the, co- what the coach wants you to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and on... On, as the season goes on, on a regular basis. So if they get that part right, that's obviously the pinnacle where they've they've set the the, the bar. Um, they they obviously are thinking that the rest will follow. So uh, fuck a Tava too, mate. Coming back from that knee injury in the 15, 15 on fifteen. So he, basically, mm. when he said that he's meaning contact. Um, wow. Oh yeah, he'll be in there. Unbelievable. Anyone loves contact. Falau Fakatava loves it. Mate, he's, he no, he doesn't shy away from it. <laughs> working extremely hard but you're just on that Kippy, the fittest team it just rings bells from 2015 when Jamie Joe was in there and he was thrashing the lads they were doing a thousand down and ups a day and just working extremely hard but the messaging was quite on point I think the messaging would be similar I know Clark Dermody would have been in there mm. uh, at that time no one likes us we're not a team of superstars we don't have 
game breakers. We don't. He'll be just trying to really get the best out of these players, getting them on edge, and telling no one respects us. We're going to work harder than anyone else, and we're going to outwork teams. And look what they had in 2015. They went to the capital and got their first championship. So, ooh, watch the space. I wouldn't want to be in there. And uh, I've done a few pre-seasons, but I've heard this one is absolutely uh, freakish. So, look, I'm going to shoot off because I'm going to come back. I did a little bomb squad uh, on the pre-season, what it's involved, what it entails. And if you don't do the mahi, the the kind of things that will happen to you going forward. It's going to be a long, long season. So that was Richard Whiffin coming back with my bomb squad. Izzy's bomb squad. The pre-season grind. The grind that is pre-season for rugby players is well and truly underway. And for some, it can be a cruel awakening for what can be a long season ahead. If you haven't done the mahi, over the off-season, many would have seen the All Blacks yesterday running a test called a Bronco. Run 20 metres and back, run 40 metres and back, and then run 60 metres and back. And you repeat that five times. And depending on your position, what position you are on the field, you'll have times to hit. So my best time, I'll give you, I recommend, I'll ask you, go have a crack if you think you can beat us, 4 minutes 40 4 minutes 40, so anything under 4.50 is good for uh, outside back. And I think the quickest I've heard is Bowden Barrett, around 4 minutes 10, which is crazy. crazy. So go have a crack if you think you can have a, uh, you can beat Bodie, 4.10, or myself, 4.40. Followed by that, it's straight into the weights room, where you'll be put through plenty of agility and speed drills, like a 5-metre, 10-metre sprint, and that is timed and you got to get timed and hopefully you can pass it. Then there's plenty of strength testing in the waste room. People think time off over summer is chill and relaxed, but players will be given programs which will include three to four running sessions a week and three to four gyms, which you can do in your own time. Plenty of trust goes into this, and that is why the testing is vitally important for the season. Running sessions will include, this is basically what I did. I did 150 metre repeats on the 90 second return around. Got to do it on the field, so there's a uh, so there's a turn in, involved. So you might do that in a minute or minute 10, you get 20 seconds rest. You do that 10 times, and you take a minute break between the 10, and then you do another 10, and you might do three sets, and you just continue to go. Uh, and then there's a broken Bronco. Broken Bronco is what I just spoke about, but you've got to go on the minute. So you run 20 back, run 40 back, run 60 and back, and that'll take 50 seconds, and you do that five times. You have 10 second rest and do it five times. And then something that's a little bit off the feet, there's always plenty down and ups, but a walk bike, walk bike session. If you've got a bike at home, and I use a walk bike, they're very, very good. So you do 21-kilometer sprints, trying to max out every rep. So you jump on the watt bike, you try and do one kilometre sprint in about a minute 15, jump off, you have a minute rest, and then you go again. And you do that 20 times. And you're trying to maintain the same time throughout the session, otherwise it's uh, Gilly, Nick Gill will be screaming in the air, and it's <laughs> horrible. Jeez, all this chat's giving me nightworm nightmares. Ford's <laughs> programs will vary from the backs. Although it hurts like hell, these pre-seasons are put into place. Uh, put in place for a reason and I'll leave you with this quote it's one I love pain is weakness leaving the body nice very yeah 
talk about nightmares is bringing back memories. <laughs> I still think, yeah. I personally, I think science has taken away some of the some of this mental toughness when it comes to training through the preseason, where you actually got to train really hard and build some resilience in your mind about thinking that you couldn't get there. Um, and just some of that stuff you're talking about the Broncos, mate. One of the one of the worst ones was a time trial we used to do through the bush was nine and a half k's, and it was the last training oh. session of the year. And it was yep. the last training session of the year, and it was the first return after Christmas. So you did nine and a half k's, went away for two weeks for Christmas, came back, you jumped straight back in the bush. It's called black butt, and it was a it was a figure eight for nine and a half k's through the bush in the heat, and you had to beat your time when you got back. So they didn't say come back. They didn't. They didn't say don't put on any weight. Um, um, don't go away <laughs> and drink. They just said yeah. if you don't beat your time when you come back, mate, you're right at the bottom of the pack. So, yeah. and I thought you know that in itself was a way of building resilience and, and mental um, strength. You know, and I think the science these days by monitoring players' loads has taken a little bit away from that. I don't know what you think is, um, but I think you can't you can't beat. Training and put the hours in on the, especially on the running on the ground. Oh, it's, that's where you get all your results from, and and like we try, it's rugby specific, specific too. It's like it's not just running willy nilly. Like we, you do it, which is position based, position based. So a lot of these uh, forwards will be doing a lot of down and ups. You know, they'll they'll do a down and up, then tackle the tack, tackle tackle the bag, come back, do another down and up, tackle the bag. So there's a lot of a game scenario kind of fitness drills going on, but you're dead right. You, it all happens for a reason. And the way that, why they test, if you get it wrong, and don't worry, I've been in this club, I've got it wrong in an off season. You come back, you're in the fat club because you got to remember a bit of testing as well, as they call the sum of eight, and they grab your your hinu on your tummy, <laughs> and they grab your hinu on your elbow, and they grab your hinu on your on your hips. And what else do they do? Your quads, they do your calves, and they do a sum of eight. Anyway, I I usually sit around when I was playing fifty, maybe forty five mils in the sum of eight, which is pretty good. Anyway, my worst, hundred and thirty. <laughs> I reckon right now I'll be about two hundred, be about two hundred <laughs> the sum of eight. But uh, my best is around fifty. So. You don't want to fail that test. That was with the nutritionist, and that really hurts if you go in there and you're in the you're in the Hanu Club. Because if you're in the Hanu Club, you got to get there at five a.m. and you got to do a bike session for an hour and a half, and then you have breakfast, and then you rip into the normal day. So you're putting in all the extras. Yeah. But um, that was a brief little look, Kempi. I know you've done plenty and seeing the All Blacks um out there and all these Super Rugby teams doing what they do. They're doing plenty of off-season, and uh, it's got me uh, excited for the year ahead, particularly with the Highlanders working extremely hard. Coming up, we're going to have a chat, catch up with uh, Paulie Moate after the news. We're going to see where he's at. The tennis, there's a few little big games coming up. Joker taking on Rublev and see where the punters are heading to. And particularly, we've got the Wellington Cup this weekend, so no doubt. And we've got a meeting today that Louis alluded to. So we'll shoot off. And uh, we'll come back with Paulie Moati. Here's Aroha with the news for Kubota. Shaping and building New Zealand. 28 away from 9am, Paul Moati from TAB just up in a second. Gull is fueling your mission all year round. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Visit gull.nz. Time to get some headlines with Gull. And... 
Before I do that, I'd just love to play this Richard Whiffen clip because it's been a massive contentious issue right through the rugby world. The RFU making tackle laws and for the amateur game, anything not professional underneath the hips. And Richard Whiffen, well, he's an Englishman. He even has noticed the fallout. I've got, got a lot of mates still in the, the UK that play low-level uh, rugby just you know with their mates. Just, and the general consensus is they're not too fussed about playing a game where you know they can't rip in in the tackle. Johnny Sexton and Andy Farrell have both gone on the record, as well as a plenty of other international and current professional rugby players saying that they don't agree with it. The Silver Ferns, well, they're in the oh the quad series final after a very tough 55-45 win over England. Grace Nowicki, 44 from 48. She is a star, and she's doing it the hard way because she's being face-guarded, double-teamed the whole lot, but she keeps shooting and keeps scoring. And elsewhere, back to the snow, where Zoe Sadowski Sinnott won her World Cup event over the weekend. Alice Robinson was eighth, but in the slalom, Michaela Schriffen has got her 83rd win at a World Cup, which is unbelievable, the American. I know lots of people talk about goats. Uh, this is her mentioning and talking about that moment. There it is, the final gas pedal, and she gets it! Michaela Schifrin! Victory number 83. 83 World Cup victories. Insane. That is longevity. <laughs> that is longevity for sure, mate. Love it. Love it. I love, yeah, I just want to go back to that wee clip uh, from Richard Whiffin and just talking about that. Like, this is, again, where you're seeing a decision from people higher above that are making the decision for their own goodwill and not not thinking about the community and the impact that really has on other people and mate this is going to go pear-shaped let's speak up this is going to go pear-shaped we always want to control concussions head knocks i've spoken about it i've been vulnerable about it and i'm worried about it going forward but it's just yeah it's it's going to be a difficult one to control you know things happen at 100 mile an hour and and uh you just never ever you're gonna you're gonna take erratic decision making out of the game, but you're never gonna take the uncontrolled head knocks out of the game because that just is rugby. Rugby's a contact sport, and you know we just don't want to lose. It's grassroots. It's real heart of rugby, and that's uh, the collision and evasion. And I think we're heading towards that direction right now. Thanks for those uh, headlines, Louis. Appreciate it, mate. Right now, we're going to have a little catch-up. TAB live update. Bet live on your favourite sports with the TAB app today. We've got Paulie Moate. How you doing, Paulie? Yeah, I'm very good. Thanks, Izzy. Yeah, nice, mate. You'll be up and about today. There's a nice wee uh, meeting today at Matamata. What do you got for yeah, us, there buddy? there isn't. Well, funnily enough, there's been a wee bit of action in the two-year-old race at Mata Mata, race five. Uh, Oh, is it? Just having having a look here, and there's been a certain amount of support uh, for the, uh, what, the daughter of Lonro, trained by Andrew Forsman, number 11, Relentless Ruby, 750 into 350. I've just been going through the book now. We've had a $3,500 bet. Well, every man and his dog, a $3,500 bet at three fifty, a $1,500 bet at three fifty, fourteen hundred at fives, uh, 1000 each way at four, 1000 on at four fifty, six hundred at seven fifty. As soon as the market opened, um, 
the, the, the punters started jumping on. So, yes, that's a, that is a ridiculous. <laughs> 750 into 350. Relentless Ruby, drained by Andrew Forsman. But oh, can I make a case for a couple of others? We've got a Tiakao runner in a two-year-old race. Number one, Cyclonic uh, King, ridden by Opie Bosson, uh, has already had uh, three starts. Um, probably didn't cop the heavy track two starts back uh, when he finished in behind Ethereal Star, who, of course, went on um, and ran second at Bukakoe on uh, Saturday night. Uh, and there's also the... Um, the Tavachi filly out of the John Barry stable, low flying, um, four fifty out to five dollars. Um, but it wasn't the worst uh, debut run at Woodville when finishing second. So there's a couple of challenges. There's at least a couple of challenges there. But all the action in that two-year-old race, race five, uh, due to start at three eleven this afternoon, has been on the Andrew Forsman trained Relentless Ruby seven fifty. Into three fifty, crazy, crazy, Paulie, a two-year-old. You want to, you want to punt on that. You don't know. He probably won his his trial, and they're going on the back of that. But gets gets held up. The misses a jump, gets held up, and gets lost in the race as a two-year-old. Uh, plenty of money there. <laughs> plenty of money going that way when you're not too sure on a two-year-old. For me, anything else you got there for us, Paulie? Yeah, of course, the Aussie Open continues on. We've got bonus back on all the men's and women's singles. Just check out all the T's and C's on the TAB website. We've also got the Tennis Mega Multi Buster. And, of course, what we are, we're guaranteed to have at least one American in the men's semifinals. Ben Shelton and Tommy Paul facing off in the quarterfinal. Shelton, $3.10. Tommy Paul, $1.35. In the other quarterfinal, it's the big favourite, Novak Djokovic. He's $1.12 to beat Andre Rublev. On the women's side, uh, the two quarterfinals today, uh, Plushkova of the Carolina type, she's $1.54, up against Magda Lynette at $2.40. The other quarterfinal, Anya Sabalenka, she's $1.25, up against Donna Vekic at three eighty-five. Of course, yesterday we saw Victoria uh, Azarenka, oh. who was around a two seventy-five outsider against Jessica Pagula. She, she had a fairly straightforward <laughs> victory there, Victoria Azarenka. I think she was around $11 to win the Aussie Open yesterday before that win. She's now on the third line in betting in the outright market. $5 to win the Women's Australian wow. Open. And, boy, she's looked focused uh, yesterday, last night. And it just looks like the sort of tournament where uh, one of the... I, I, don't, I don't want to be rude, but one of the slightly older athletes on the woman's <laughs> side might just get up. Might do there, Paulie Mwati. Maybe so. If they don't get the curse of the Mwati like you did with Pagula, they might be fine. <laughs> go Relentless hey, Ruby. <laughs> go Relentless Ruby. Just to keep while I let you go, mate. Anyone get on John Rahm? He'll be paying absolutely nothing now on the odds going forward. He's back-to-back wins. Uh, boy, he's... Um... He's playing golf at a, at a serious uh, speed, isn't he? He's just, it's like there's no tomorrow with him at the moment. I'm just having a look at the uh, Farmers Insurance Open, um, and he's starting to approach sort of Tiger Woods-type uh, odds when Tiger was in his prime. He's a $5.50 favourite for the Farmers Insurance Open uh, in California this weekend. Uh, Tony Finau's on the second line of betting at $12. Uh, what have we got? Xander Shoffley at 12 
uh, Colin Morikara at 17. I mean, this is a very, very strong field, and John Rahm is a 550 favourite. So that just goes to, that's a reflection of just how good he's playing at the moment. Yeah, two tournaments, 4.2 million US payday for John Rahm. Not a bad start to the year, so well done, Rahm. Appreciate it, Paulie Mwati. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. Promotions and play and hundreds of sports markets to choose from. Visit tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly, R18. We're going to shoot off and we'll come back with a new part of our show, our temper pillow to post, our effort of the week. Yes, in the sunshine, it's beautiful down here in Christchurch. We're 14 away from 9, and I'm going to pass the baton over to Smithy shortly, but right now it's time for our temper, pillow to post, effort of the week, brought to you by Temper. Rejuvenate with a temper electric adjustable bed from Bedpost. How good is that? And I'm going to throw it over to you, Kempi. Who and what is your effort? Of the week. Well, Smithy will be able to tell us a bit about this too because he's got him on his show uh, earlier, this, uh, later on this morning. His name is Shannon Stallard. And Shannon Stallard's from New Plymouth. He completed 311 holes in a 12-hour 12 uh, period down, down in New Plymouth with two other blokes who uh, need to get a mention there, Mick Macbeth and uh, also Jamie Reid. But a world record um, taking over the 252-hole uh, record by Swiss golfer Jürg Randenburg. I uh, hope I got that name right. But uh, at Fitzroy Golf Club, look, overlooking Wawakayo Surf Break, one of the best breaks in the world. Uh, he's gone down there and he's gone out, Mr. Stallard. And I tell you what, needs a temper pillow, uh, temper pillow after that. <laughs> <laughs> How's that it for is. an effort? Three, what is it? 17 rounds Three. and five holes. He covered 101 kilometres. Wow. That is phenomenal. In 12 hours, that is phenomenal. He definitely needs a little pillow to sleep on. And maybe some of those nice wee slippers that Kempi, uh, that Smithy got delivered to his house. They'll go down. Absolute treat. Love that one, Kempi. Well, mine, it'll be hard to go past this guy. Look, i just got so much admiration for him. A guy that's been told he can't play sport ever again. He's got a mechanical hip. And then to come out and obviously... Didn't kick on, but to even get past his first game when he plays Veratini, a quality 13th seed, quality, quality player, and then beating him in the five sets. And then going on and playing another five sets. So back-to-back five sets, and it will have to be the effort of the week, will have to be that point against Ozzy Kokonakis when he went, and he should have been down and out. Listen to this. That would have to be one of the best points I've ever seen. Never, ever dying in the fight. He just stuck at it, and he got the result in the end. So Andy Murray would have to be my effort of the week. A mechanical hit and back-to-back, um, you know, uh, five-setters. He obviously went down against Bautista Gut, but uh, Murray is back. Whether he'll go on and win one again is 
uh, Alex Gruskin said he probably won't, but it's great to see him. Uh, the, you know, just not really listening and, and being told he can't go on and then just proving the doubt is wrong. So Andy Murray and Shannon Chard, well done, mate. Good work. Love it. Love it. We're going to shoot off because uh, Smithy's waiting for us and no doubt Smithy will have a big show for uh, for us to get through in the next couple of hours. So our Smithy catch-up uh, catch coming up. Yes, welcome back. And uh, that was our temper pillow to post. It was such a good segment, part of the week. Now we're going to well, just really applaud big efforts of the week. And that was brought to you by Transport Yourself to the perfect relaxation zone with a flick of a button at bedpost.co.nz. Appreciate your support. And right now, someone that'll be relaxing, ready to rip into his next couple of hours is our good friend Ian Smith. Smithy, how you doing? Yeah, good morning, fellas. Uh, interesting to hear your choices. Uh, uh, Andy Murray, I think, was a very uh, warranted choice. And, yeah, Shannon Stallard, great story, Kempe, that. So good, in fact, that we're going to interview him after 11 o'clock this morning. You played down there, Smithy? You played yeah. down there, Fitzroy uh, Golf Club? No, I have not played Fitzroy Golf Club. I, I don't believe. Anyway, West Westtown, would that be right? Westtown's right. Yep. Yeah, yep. I played there. Yes, I certainly have played there. But I don't think I've played Fitzroy. So we're going to talk to Shannon Stallard about... The, what it takes to be able to play, as you say, 17.5 rounds of golf in a day. I mean, that's uh, for a lot of people, that's their yearly quota. He did it in a day. So uh, we'll talk to him. Um, that's that's going to be a feature after 11 o'clock. Uh, we also got a panel this morning with Andrew Gordy and Sam Ackerman. And uh, Kempe, that's of interest too. We'll talk to Sam Ackerman. He'll be all over the CBA talks, uh, which are going on in Australia, which are threatening now. Uh, to disrupt uh, both the um, NRLW and the NRL. That's right, and the Indigenous game that's coming up on the 11, I think, which is the first game off, cab off the rank. Uh, it's an interesting space, that Smithy. I think there's a lot more uh, water to go under the bridge, so it'll be interesting to hear what you what you get today. Yeah, it will be. Uh, we'll also talk to uh, Craig Cumming. Now that that uh, one-day series against um, India is over, done and dusted, lost 3-0, and uh, gee, we copped some pasting in terms of our bowling attack. I know we had uh, a lot of our big guns not there, uh, but you go conceding over 380 runs in a one-day international. Give me a break. Smithy, um, so that's Smithy, good. concerning? Yes. yes. Concerning, concerning times right. them, or should we just steer the ship here? What, what, do, we, what do you reckon? Well, concerning uh, not just for this year and what's coming up this year, but for the future, because uh, they're, they're the next... Cabs off the rank, those boys, um, you know, and they're getting pasted by a very good Indian batting side in very good conditions. So you know you can factor that in, but still, they are the the next ones through. And if we're not going to keep investing or trying to get back Trent Bolt, then we're going to be um, with those guys. Um, and, and then you've got a year injury, and how long will uh, Tim Southey go for? Matt Henry's a, a day in day out pro, uh, project, and um, Kyle Jamison, we're far from back to full strength. So. We're going to rely on some of those blokes in the World Cup as our backup unit. Um, so we've got issues there. So Craig coming to talk through that, uh, as well as uh, women's cricket. Of course, the T20 Women's World Cup coming up in South Africa. And at the moment, our under-19 uh, women's team is doing extremely well, oh, uh, coasting okay. through to the semi-finals. So plenty for uh, Sid coming to talk about. And we're going to talk to George Berry, too, uh, about the NBA, now that we're reaching the halfway point, which is, of course, uh, all-star time. Beautiful, Smithy. Yeah, that under-90s outfit, they're going extremely well. They're, they're limiting. They must have a hell of a bowling tack because they're limiting teams to around 60, 70 in there, a lot of overs. Then they got some openers that come out and just pump it around. I've been following them with interest. That's uh, a great. Who have they got in the semis there, Smithy? 
Uh, I'm not quite sure yet. It'll either be India or Australia. India or Australia. Oof. So um, it looks like uh, the, the big four on cricket and at that level anyway are New Zealand, England, India, Australia, which is a really good sign going forward. Beautiful, mate. Beautiful. Well, you have a great couple of hours, mate, and we'll chat to you tomorrow. Appreciate your time here on the show. And thanks to everyone that's tuned through. We've got a couple of messages. I'll just quickly get through them there regarding, regarding the rugby. Uh, morning, boys. Do the powers that be make these silly rules up to justify their jobs? This is regarding the tackle height. How are you going to stop a player scoring a try with a leg's tackle on your goal line? They, the rugby powers, are making the game more unattractive each season. That is from Mark. And a pretty valid point there as well, Mark. Appreciate it. And here's one from Adam Fahey. Think think the RFU are making it even harder to keep grassroots clubs alive just to avoid a court case. Adam Faye, yep, they are the ones that have been hard done by in the community. No community, no pathways, no sport at all. There you go. Good show. Great input. Tomorrow we've got Richie Mohonga after 8 o'clock. We're going to talk to him about the year ahead. Well, we'll give him a bit of discussion about this tackle height because someone that always goes low and he's a bit like myself gets bumped off a couple of times. We'll have plenty to say, so looking forward to that.